Welcome one and all back to Daybreak Devotions. We are so glad to be with you on this Thursday morning, and we're grateful to the radio ministry, the opportunity just to bring God's Word to you. This is Pastor Mike Barnett, Pastor Corey Cantrell from McLeansville Baptist Church. We are trucking right through this week. Yes, we are. Full steam ahead, batting down the hatches. Hmm, that sounds like we're bulling our way through this week. Well, it's a livestock truck just went by. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Uh, better steer out of the way of that. Yeah. hey <laughs> uh, It's Thursday. I couldn't think of any follow-up joke. I wanted to top you, but I I, I, I don't have anything. So anyway. Yes. Uh, uh, where were we? Oh, yeah, it is Thursday. Welcome back to Daybreak Devotions. We're in Galatians chapter 4 today, and I have been enjoying our study in Galatians. We hope you have, and we thank you for being a part of that. And, of course, we always want to encourage you to write us at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com. The emails are flowing right and left. It takes up an indiscernible amount of time for me to sort through those emails every day. Well, in all seriousness, uh, we do like to encourage you, and we don't say this often enough, but if you're listening to our broadcast on a regular basis— and we're saying things that you're not sure about. Mm-hmm. You have a question. That is the way you can reach out to us with that question. And as we receive those questions, we'll do our best to answer them in future broadcasts. And maybe it would be worth mentioning this as well. Uh, if you write a question and you're afraid that we're going to reference it on a future broadcast, allow us to put your mind at ease. We're not going to call your name out and like isolate. Not unless, it, not unless it's something that would be to our advantage. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, 99 times out of 100, it's going to be able to be addressed in just a, hey, we received this email, because we understand sometimes there could be some apprehension. But to, there's always that one out of 100. There's always that one. We're looking at you, Charity. <laughs> oh, but that's true. Yes, we will We will change the names to protect the guilty or innocent, as the case may be. But yes, write us with questions. You, you're hearing us talk about something, or you're not hearing us talk about something mm-hmm. that you have a question about. One thing we can be sure of, we don't have all the answers, and we just say that right up front. So mm-hmm. really, the benefit is twofold. It's a challenge to us to think about the things that you are you are asking, and so we will learn from that, and then we hope to be able to bring uh, some things that will help you know the listener grow as well. So there is a reminder. Shout out to the email. Write us and let us know what you're thinking, daybreakdevotion at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always go to mcclainsvillebaptistchurch.com and find links to Daybreak Devotions and various other things. Absolutely. All right. So today being Thursday, I'd like to introduce a new segment. Now with most of our segments, it might be misleading to say that this will be a weekly segment, but at least when it happens, it'll be on Thursdays because sometimes (laughs) we just don't pull them off. I mean, we've had Fridays with no fun day. We've had Wednesdays with no word of the week. But starting today, we are going to have a new special feature on Daybreak Devotions. We're going to call it Thursday's treasure trove, and we're going to highlight some 
good news and positive stories because we're living in a world that we're consumed with and overwhelmed with a lot of negativity. And it seems like a lot of the news that, that's out there and a lot of the media that people are consuming is, well, evil. And Romans 12, 21 says we're not to be overcome with evil, but to overcome evil with good. We spend a lot of time trying to help people, hey, put off that stuff. Don't get wrapped up in that stuff. Be careful what you're watching, listening to, thinking about. But, you know, there's also some good resources out there. And we have off and on referenced some of these things. But I think making Thursday a day where we can bring out of the treasure trove some some good news things, that's, that would just help us to do a better job of that. And so it's time for Thursday's treasure trove. Good news stories to warm the heart. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So to start off today, or for the first time of doing this segment, I'm actually going to recommend a resource that I have referenced before on one of our broadcasts. And this comes from a website called GodUpdates.com. Do you remember me referencing that? I do. I don't remember the exact story that it was referenced. I think it had something to do with an actress. I had to do with Chuck Norris's mother. Yeah, close yeah. enough. But, uh, yeah, GodUpdates.com, positive news stories and inspirational stories of faith, hope, and love. And if you go there, you'll find all sorts of you know, stories that you can read that are just going to encourage you. And, as we said, warm the heart. This particular story caught my attention. Man goes to knock down a wall in the basement and ends up discovering a whole underground city. What? That'll get your attention. Now, this was just published on the website last month, but it's actually a story that goes back to about 80 years ago. It starts out like this. The world is filled with mystery and wonder. History is a fascinating subject. It's a topic that will keep even the most inquisitive minds busy and always searching for answers. There will always be more to learn and discover about the planet humans inhabit. The rediscovery of the ancient Turkish city of Derinkuyu took place in the 1960s following a strange situation involving chickens. <laughs> we started the week with chickens. Coincidence? Yep. I think not. Well, the weird thing about it, the man noticed that his chickens were disappearing. Huh. Do you see where this is going? I'm with you. If you were listening to Monday's broadcast, you know what I'm thinking already. Somewhere, there's go there, the, my missing chickens are going to lead me to a... Huge discovery of magnificent proportions. To be the stuff of legends. The story goes on. The barnyard animals were going in a spot that had opened following recent updates to the home. This led to the homeowner having a wall removed in his basement. What he found behind the wall was a passageway to the city of Derinkuyu. Before this city had been rediscovered, the largest underground city in the world I mean, that's wild, isn't it? Yeah. An underground city. But it before it had been rediscovered, it had been abandoned for decades, all the way back to the 1920s. So really, we're only talking about 100 years ago that this city was still in use. Yeah, and it had only been missing for 40 years? Yeah, apparently. And the only passageway was in some dude's basement? Ah, uh, hey, this might be a remote location. I reckon. As many as 20,000. <laughs> as many. Look. He followed chickens to get there, all right? <laughs> chickens, cluck, cluck. Talons. As many as 20,000 people are believed to have lived in the ancient city. 
After that first initial discovery in the 60s, others soon followed the BBC. <laughs> You're perplexed over there, aren't I you? I really am. This ancient city. Uh, you're killing my story here. Just play along. <laughs> Trying to wow. warm the heart. Trying to warm the hearts. Uh, but more than 600 entrances have been discovered uh, from within private homes leading to the subterrestrial city. Additionally, teams have found nearly two dozen tunnels in the underground city where areas to store food, keep cattle, hold school, and even a place of worship. The BBC also mentioned safety as the reason for construction of the underground city in Cappadocia region of Turkey or the Cappadocia region of Turkey. Now, where might we have heard of that before? Beats me. Cappadocia? Cappadocia? Yeah. I got nothing. That's Bible, buddy. Oh. Paul, in Acts chapter 2, when the apostles preached on the day of Pentecost, there were people in the city of Jerusalem from the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea and Cappadocia, in Pontus and Asia. And Peter, when he writes his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout, this is the verse I was thinking of, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So we've got a, a city that was prominent in the first century church that was in usage up... A hundred years ago. Up to 1920. Oh, so it's, it is an ancient city. Yes, but it had only vanished for 40 years. Before one guy randomly discovers this. You see how this will warm your heart? Where does this passageway go? (laughs) Hey, fellas, you remember that city that Grandpa lived in? (laughs) I found it. Uh, Anyway, people likely ventured into Derinkuyu in order to avoid uh, those people invading the Turkish region. Uh, One documentary filmmaker speculates the underground city was constructed and built around 150 years after the birth of Christ, likely aided in the expansion of Christianity. The Roman Empire was were idolaters and didn't want Christians back then, he said. The empire was cruel towards them, so those Christians came underground and protected their religion. Maybe if these Christians hadn't survived here, Christianity might have never spread. What a fascinating and magnificent discovery. Absolutely. I do think that the gospel would have got out either way, but I see it. Sure. So that, you know, hey, look, that's a heartwarming story. It is. I mean, to anybody that's got some home renovation to do, this breathes hope into this otherwise dire project. You never know what wall might rip out that you might discover something that's been missing for 40 years. And it could be gold. It could be. But this city sounds an awful lot like, I, I can't remember the name of the city, but it's in the uh, in the two towers, you know, where uh, all of the, the people of, was it Rohan? Everybody right now listening thinks you're referring to New York City and the, uh, the World Trade Center. Nope, those were the twin towers, yeah. not the two towers. This is a Tolkien reference. But anyhow, I can't remember the name of the fortified city, but that's what it described to me. This wasn't actually the primary dwelling city. This was the secret city that the regular city would flee to in times of attack, if mm-hmm. I understood your story correct. Yeah, sounds like it. So uh, that that's coming from GodUpdates.com. One more uh, on there. If you go there right now, one of the, one of the uh, uh, things you can click on is actually a video clip of a skit from the old Carol Burnett show, which features Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman, he was an actor back in, in the, I guess, 60s. But he stops by a hot dog stand to order a hot dog from the oldest man alive, who is portrayed by none other than Tim Conway. So if you need something to laugh at today, there's your video clip. Sounds like a riot. All right. Well, uh... 
go, maybe not my best story ever on Thursday's Treasure Trove? No. Oh, actually, yes, it was. It's the best story I've ever had on Thursday's Treasure Trove. Great story. Uh, the, the heartwarming ramifications and the implication of ancient biblical city being rediscovered and all that was great. It just, it was just really like, I was expecting this city would have been hidden for a lot longer than 40 years. Yeah, that, that is a puzzling line. Like, there must have still been, maybe there were homeless people living there. Maybe it was being utilized. I, I don't know. But anyway, Galatians chapter 4. And really, you know, this is another one of those places in our Bible where the chapter break doesn't necessarily make all the most sense because Paul continues here with the thought from chapter 3, the end of chapter 3, about once we are in Christ, we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so we pick up the reading here in chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. As I was looking at this passage, what Paul is doing here, of course, is illustrating. He's using another human illustration, like he did back in chapter 3 and verse 15 about how when you consider a human contract once it's been ratified, certified, like our Declaration of Independence that we just Mm -hmm. were reflecting on a couple days ago. So in the same way, he uses another human contract uh, analogy here or human illustration and but he does it to make the point what is it to be an heir legally so he, he's saying here that an heir as long as he is a child it means nothing yeah ultimately he's going to get everything but as long as he's a child he has no control or no say over anything he's no better no different than a servant and from a legal standpoint or the standpoint of the law that's what it was for those who were following the law before Christ came. They, they had the possibility, the potential, but they couldn't touch it. Um, they can't enter into it. So that's where verse 3 then he says, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now that phrase is important to me in this section, in bondage under the elements of the world. And clearly what Paul is going to lay out here in this, this part is that you know, we're no longer slaves. Once we come into Christ, we are no longer slaves. We're no longer in this bondage. But he says we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, to get some clarity on what he's referring to there by the elements that are in the world, you, just kind of skipping ahead just a little bit, verse number 8, How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which, were, which by nature are no gods? But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? What is he talking about? Verse 10, ye observe days and months and times and years. And so that, that helps us understand what he means about being in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, I think there's a, a reference there to Judaism in you know, observing the festivals and, and the, the, the moons and all these things. But there's also clearly a reference there to pagan religion. You know, most any kind of religion has within it some sort of customs, festivals, days of observation, days of fasting, you know. And Paul said, you have turned back from the thing that actually made you an heir, a full son. You've turned back to the thing that you were in bondage to before, which is just this, what we might could call vain religion. Mm-hmm idols, observances, so forth. And so the point here for us in the teaching and the understanding of this letter is that there are Christian versions of those things. When someone, 
Okay, so think about it like this. What would be an what would be an example of turning to weak and beggarly elements and being back in bondage in order to feel secure in our Christianity? How about when we just fill our calendar with meetings? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, y'all going to that meeting? Hey, we're going to have a meeting. We need to have another meeting. Well, what are we doing with the meetings? Really? Nothing. I mean, most of the time. If we're having them because, you know, hey, well, we're good Baptists, and we're supposed to have a spring revival and a fall revival and a missions conference, and if we don't have those three things, what are we doing? And, and you break it down even further to the week by week. And just why are we in church? Why are we in church three, four times a week or whatever it may be where you are, mm-hmm. right? There, there are Christian versions of these things to where our meetings become weak and beggarly elements. Which goes even, you know, right there as far as the the observation of the days, the months, and the times, and the years. I mean, God's the one in Judaism. God's the one that established the feast days and commanded the observance of those things. So again, it's it's not the individual things that are the problem. It's not the meetings that are the problem. It's not the church services, the gatherings, the the events. They're not the problem. But it's our misplaced and misguided reliance on them that I'm dependent on those things in order to feel that I am standing right before God, which is what the Galatians were being drawn back into. And you'll know that it's that when all of that that you're doing is is just a burden. Yes. It's just like, oh, man, we got to do this again. Because I know the difference between the two, and I know the joy of coming to worship. Yeah. And I know the burden of, oh, i got to go there. Well, and I think there's even, too, the reality of when those things are taken away. And we only have to go back a few years to, you know, remember when, you know, we weren't meeting with meetings and gatherings and all of this kind of stuff. And there were a lot of people that felt like, oh, man, I'm, I'm forsaking God. I, I'm not as good of a Christian right now because I can't gather. And, and so th- there's, that, there's that two-sided coin when it's a burden or when we lose the ability to do it. If we feel that we are any less before God— that's a good gauge that those things have taken a wrong sense of priority in our life. Yeah, there there was actually on the other side of, of the proverbial coin, there were some during those days that were like, man, this has been the most enriching Christian year of my life. Yeah. You know, and I know to some people this is going to be like I just threw a rock through a stained glass window, but the the opportunity to take a break from church was refreshing, you know? Can you say that? Yeah, you can say that and mean it and have the Bible to back you up because a lot of what has become modern Christianity has become what Paul is talking about right here. And in all of that, it's reminiscent of what Jesus invites us into in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. You know, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And just that whole idea of, man, we've been living under the bondage, this uh, this yoke of bondage, Acts 15 10, the Jerusalem council, it says, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? And this was Peter's argument that it's not right for us to try to put on these Gentile believers this yoke of bondage, which is our law, our Jewish religion, when we couldn't even carry it. Right. You know, And that's what, that's what happens many times. And Jesus says to all of you that are tired of that, this is why I came, is to set you free. Remember, this is radical liberty through radical grace here in Galatians. And so that, that's the opening of this, this chapter, chapter 4. Let me pick up the reading in verse 4 because now it's going to explain Jesus' coming. But when the fullness of the time was come, 
God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So Christ did come, and he came at the right time, and freedom was the mission. Remember, uh, in chapter 3, verse 21 through 23, we talked about this in the previous broadcast, how that we had to be set free first. The effort on our part to be right with God by obeying the law. Okay, so even as you said earlier, the problem's not the meetings. The problem's not going to church. Those are right things mm-hmm. to do. The problem is not the exercise of, of faithful religion, like, uh, you know, or faithful spirituality, fasting, praying. Those aren't, but when those things become vain religion and a burden, they're wrong. We cannot do them in the right way until first we're being set, we've been made free by Jesus Christ. And back in chapter 3, you know, 21, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, for if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law, if that were possible. In other words, it, it, it could happen. If you lived according to the law, you could find freedom, or, or you could find righteousness, rather. But, verse 22, the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that is, locked up, bound by sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Again, you've got to get the order right. Until we're set free by Jesus Christ, we cannot have real righteousness. But now that we have been set free, we can pursue living as children of God. So in verse number 8, How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. There's a shift here where Paul is kind of emphasizing the the aspects of the Jewish religion, the Jewish faith, to these Gentile believers that had come from these uh, these false gods. At least, and Paul is saying here, at least the Jews under the Jewish law were still looking to the true God. For you guys, you came out of this pagan religion. You came out of a religion of Rome that worshipped all kinds of gods. And so for you, this is a, not a no better situation. In fact, it's far worse And how then are you now going to turn back to those things which could never have saved you in the first place? And now that you know Christ, you want to go back to that. And that's what verse 9 actually calls our attention to, is after ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to these weak and beggarly elements whereinto ye desire again to be in bondage? I mean, that's a pretty bold statement. Paul says, this is what you want. You're turning back to it because you desire to be in bondage. Yep. That's a pretty bold statement. That would not get Paul a lot of popularity points in the churches today. No, it's almost like what he accuses them of is is succumbing to peer pressure. Like, hey, yeah, you're in the culture. That's what everybody's telling you ought to be doing. You've been delivered from that, but now you're finding how hard it is to live in the minority, and so you're choosing the path of least resistance so that you can be culturally accepted, and in so doing— you're forfeiting the liberty which you have been given by Christ and going right back under the bondage of what there's no hope for anyways. Well, we said this yesterday, I think, sometime this week, but why would they go back? You know, Why would they choose to go back into these weak and beggarly elements and be back in bondage? The word weak means just what it sounds. Feeble, beggarly, means almost just what it sounds. It's broke. 
Yep. It, it's substanceless. It's poor. It's lacking. It offers you nothing, but you're going to go back into that. So why would they do it? We mentioned this the other day. I gave three reasons, the fear of failure. I, if I go back into this, I feel like I have some control. Yep. I know that by doing these things and checking the boxes, I feel like I'm being a good Christian. That's the wrong thing to rely on. That's about doing, not being. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're saved to be and become. Uh, the other reason was the ease of performance. Just doing the church thing requires very little of us. We can attend, we can give, we can serve in some capacity, but there's no cross in that. There's no death to self. So it's easy to perform religion. Thirdly, it's that power of persuasion that you were just alluding to. And, and we just remind you, be careful who you listen to. People mm-hmm. will convince you of some really wrong things that will sound really right. That's why we have to guard our hearts and stay very true to the gospel that Paul said is the only gospel. Chapter 1, if they preach any other gospel, let them be accursed mm-hmm. from God. So this is a major thing. Uh, they had gone from paganism into legalism. And so while they might be free, while they might be saved, they're not enjoying it. They've, they've bound themselves up again, and it's robbing them of the life, the rich life that they could have in Jesus. And again, verse 10 we read already, observing days, months, times, and years. But look at this. We'll close with these two verses. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. In other words, I fear that I've done all this only to have failed God and failed you in the end when I see what's happening with you. I mean, you've, you've come so far, and now to go back and all that. And I think that's a true fear of any real minister. Mm-hmm. That's a real concern that you pour your life and your heart into people, and in the end they just they, either they don't get it or you think they got it, and the next thing you, you see they're, they're back in the old habits and ruts, and they're not enjoying that radical liberty that is in Christ. And so what Paul says in verse 12, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. For I am as ye are, ye have not injured me at all. What Paul says here is follow my lead. Just follow my lead. Be free. I was a devout Jew. I was a law man. But now, 1 Corinthians 11.1, be ye followers of me as I also am of Christ. And this is Paul's heart just beating for these people that don't get sucked back into observing religion that is vain, but actually live as sons of God. Live with the Spirit. You know, we didn't really address it, but verse 6 talks about how that when we are sons, God sends his spirit, the spirit of his son, into our hearts. And, you know, the spirit, as Paul says in Ephesians 3, that's the earnest of the inheritance. It's given to us to mark and identify us as belonging to God and to give us assurance of our salvation. But how much of modern Christianity is really just spiritless, vain religion? And that is something for us to be concerned about as ministers of the, of the Word of God in the churches. We want to help people to, uh, to not get caught up in that, but to find the true radical liberty that is in the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I think that'll have to wrap it for Thursday. So join us tomorrow, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. When peace like a Oh